Okay, let me let, let me reset here. Okay, mm-hmm. how you doing, Chris? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm getting back into the swing of things, mm-hmm. but also preparing for my move. So crazy! And wow, it's, it's only a month, and I still don't have a place. So that's great. You know what? That's fine. Sleep on couches. Sleep on the street. You know how it is. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, <laughs> We've yeah. all been there. Yep. Yep, but I'm very excited that I have I have made a whole meal plan for this week and there are some great things coming. So exciting, exciting. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that I've tried to do recently is to take advantage of the cinema as much as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Now that things are open and I'm just I feel comfortable to go watch films again. It's just like every opportunity I get, any film that seems remotely interesting, I have tried to go and see. And, I mean, for a lot of people, that means going to see things like Space Jam or, like, Jungle Cruise or, like, these films that, in my mind, quality-wise, are, saying it nicely, not up to snuff. Mm -hmm. But for me, instead, going to watch movies in the cinema again really means to be able to see films that are maybe not as widely known but are interesting in one way shape or form and today today chris of all days i will be talking to you about two such films that i've seen recently in cinema as we check in to for the first time i think talking about content that is brand new essentially right so what you're saying is you're going to spoil me on movies that are currently in cinema uh i'm not going to spoil anything that's the thing that's the that's the point i mean maybe for you it might be spoilers but it will be maybe officially not spoilers does that make sense sure yeah because like your level of spoiler i think is Is a lot higher than other people I yeah. can I can definitely respect that. Yes. Can you live with that, Chris? Is that okay? Yeah, or do you yeah. want me to talk about something entirely different, unplanned, unplanned? Wow. Why don't Why don't you tell me what the mu- what the movies are? So the two movies, well, we will be talking about this time are Pig and Our Ladies. Okay, I don't know anything about either of those, unsurprisingly. So, take us away. All right. So both films have been delayed because of COVID. Uh, Our Ladies in particular with, uh, I think, a filming date in 2019, but just a release date in the UK as this week or last week. And I'm going to start by talking to you about Pig, if that's okay. Please. All right. So <clears throat> let me give you the, the, the general premise. <laughs> Nicolas Cage. Oh, <laughs> good start. Good start. <laughs> Isn't that enough? Isn't that yeah. enough to want to go see this film, <laughs> honestly? Amazing. Yes, please. So Nicolas Cage lives alone in the Pacific Northwest forests. Except he is accompanied by his beloved truffle pig. I've heard about this movie. Yes. Yeah? Okay, you have yeah. heard about it? Good. So living alone in the Oregon wilderness, he... <laughs> Sorry, this is like the funny thing about this film is that the premise is the most ridiculous thing, but then once you mm. get into it, it's actually a good film. Yeah. Um, and so one day, tragically, his pig gets stolen, and this is the premise of the the movie, where he returns to Portland. He used to live there, apparently. Returns to Portland and is searching the city for his beloved pig. And Nicolas Cage running around Portland looking for a pig is just the most ridiculous premise ever, honestly. But it works so well as a film that I would definitely recommend anyone who has the chance to see this movie to see it. Whether or not you know or have seen much of Nicolas Cage or can understand the ridiculousness of him, Mm. this film works sort of on so many different levels. And it is written and directed by 
Michael Sarnowski. His this is his first, I would say, big director directorial debut. I mean, he has directed a few episodes of some some television series that honestly, I'm looking at his INDB page and I haven't heard of any of them. But so this is what I would say is his large debut. And mm-hmm. it is directed in such a style that is so beautifully able to capture the Pacific Northwest. This these the long tree like the high trees, the depth of the forest, the gray of the sky, the somber beauty that is Portland and the surrounding area. So it's a really well-directed film that I encourage everyone to watch. It is, you know, when you hear for the fifth time in the movie, Nicolas Cage say the word, and I quote, I'm looking for my pig. It is just, it's so funny in the back of my head, and it's really hard to kind of grasp that premise. But as his performance actually makes you believe it in a way and get invested in his journey to <laughs> find his pig and the the strat the different stratums of society that he crosses and engages with as he goes through basically tearing through the city of Portland looking for his pig is entirely fascinating because this film is despite having Nicolas Cage is not a comedy in any way, shape, or form. It is a full drama. And mm. the dedication that he put into this role is on display in a way that I have not seen in so many in so many uh Nicolas Cage performances where there is an air of hilarity behind it. And while this movie's premise is ridiculous in some ways, it is also just amazing. It's an amazing idea to think of the relationship that he has with this animal and his journey through not only rediscovering or discovering himself and the reasons why he lives alone in the wilderness, completely unkempt, away from society, sort of in a rejection of society, but also how he deals with attachment to those who are kind to him, to those who have positive memories associated with him and his general being of society. And when we think of the relationship between animals and humans, I feel like it's often manifested in what is a more traditional pet. So like a dog or a cat. I mean, if you think of the premise of John Wick, (laughs) a guy goes on a murderous rampage avenging his dead dog yeah that's what i was going to ask you about actually because you did, did just say something along the lines of nicholas cage goes through tear, tearing through portland and i was like is this another john wick but with a pig or no it? it is not a violent film in any way shape or form it's no. there's none of that air of it what i, I meant metaphorically tearing through the city yeah. Yeah. um as you would your room searching for something that is extremely valuable to you right and just as I personally love John Wick. I find it a great um, journey into the the the. Wow, I was gonna say journey into the journey, but that's a little bit repetitive. So I'm just gonna say it anyways. <laughs> it's a great journey into the journey of grief, and how we experience that with something that we attach to. And then, in the case of John Wick, have you seen the film? I know so much about it, but I haven't seen it. I know okay. what I have seen a lot of scenes out of it. I know the basically the entire plot. Uh, okay, so um, it, essentially, in the, in that film, it's his love for his dog is also an extension to the his the love of his lost partner, mm-hmm. right? And the two of them are losing one is akin to reconciling one's grief with his partner as it is with his dog, and. In this film, this journey of grief that is sort of manifested in him losing his pig, that's something that's the only being, living being that he lives with that is important to him, is is just so well done on top of a layer of 
how we leave behind memories and a legacy in the life that we live as we move through whatever career we're going on. Because this is a man who has lived in Portland and rejected society to go live alone by himself in the pig or and his pig. And in his abrupt return, entirely unprepared for his return, is able to see some of the legacies of that of his work that he has done that allows him to connect or has allowed him to connect to those around him. And those things that we consider legacy for some of us or just, sorry, are just consequences of the experiences that we go through with others. And this reconciliation or understanding of what we've left behind and those that we impact with our everyday experiences is a note on top of this deep manifestation of grief that he goes through throughout this film and how society pushes us out when we don't particularly not when we don't but when it can't handle the journey that we are particularly going through. So for example, if you think about moments in life where just things are extremely difficult for you in a way that it makes you sort of want to metaphorically explode. And there are certain expectations surrounding grief and surrounding dealing with trauma that are socially quote-unquote acceptable and there are varying trajectories for that right there are trajectories that involve going to see a, a therapist and keeping one's problems to that space there is obviously the classic model of just having a stiff upper stiff upper lip repress it and keep moving forward and there are certain expectations that society has for us to deal with how we oh sorry to deal with our struggles and i think this film and and so there is all all of these things are wrapped up in a film that is about someone who has rejected the society that has rejected him to a certain extent and then re-emerging within that society in a space that allows for such an amazing commentary on trauma and those things that we leave behind unknowingly to a certain extent but come back to and learn to appreciate throughout the journey and then at the end still struggling internally with those that we've left behind or those who have left us behind and this is so much about the larger meaning of this film, about a man who has lost his pig and goes around town searching for it, essentially. And I mentioned it at the top of sort of this montage, or not montage, but what is a verbal montage? A monologue, I guess. <laughs> a monologue about the direction of this film. And it from the opening shot, you really wholly believe that you're with Nicolas Cage in the woods in the dark dank Oregon wilderness that is there are so there are so many films that attempt to place oneself in the space and that's really hard to do in studio sets and CGI screens and I mean, we watch a lot of Star Wars, and Star Wars is all that, right? And mm. the there are scenes that are shot on location that do sort of feel beautiful and expansive and realistic to a certain extent. But this film being set in Portland and the surrounding area and shot on location in its entirety really give it a tangibility that allows one to be immediately transported into this world in a way that a lot of films fail to do. And on top of that, it is set with a 
a dimness and a grim appearance that really sets the stage for the movie's emotional resonance and connect creates a connectivity between how it is shot and how one feels throughout the entire show or film. Am I am I all right so far? Yeah, it's great. Okay. I mean, I also going back to the uh to one of the very earliest uh weekly hook episodes um where, you know, certain if certain companies are involved, that's always a selling point. And for me, I also looked up I just looked up the movie and I saw that Neon is involved with it. Yeah. So, I'm I'm so sold. <laughs> it's definitely entirely worth it and i will i mean this is not a spoiler per se but it is a spoiler ish so i apologize chris for this but at one point there is a monologue on the inevitability of death in the movie mm-hmm. and there is this idea that is proposed where one is inevitably going to pass and that means that you know, it's easier to not care and to embrace the futility of death by embracing the meaninglessness of it all. And this is a, not a philosophy that's unique to this specific movie, obviously. It is a very ubiquitous thing. And what this movie really hits at, hits home with in that in that pursuit or that pursuit of meaninglessness or embracing meaning, meaninglessness is in and, in and of itself or a fallacy. And it is in some ways, in many ways, dealing with the consequences of connecting or being connected to the things that are around us and the potential or the actual loss of those things and confronting those losses is significantly more difficult for one to engage with. And that pursuit of futility or the the pursuit of viewing the world or life as something that is futile is one that leads or can lead to, to ruin in a way that is extremely or extremely difficult. So it's an, it's a very, very interesting film in its philosophy as well as how it, proposes or sets a stage for such a beautiful a beautiful scene yeah i was gonna say it sounds it definitely has existentialist or even absurdist overtones from what oh yeah mentioned and they're very overt and it's i wonder though to what extent that message will go or kind of go over the head of a lot of viewers honestly because it is not as so the classic, you know, nihilistic television show and its and it and its um, attempt to in some ways undercut that is Rick and Morty, mm-hmm. and this idea of oh, Rick's like there are unf- unf- infinite universes, infinite blah blah blah, so not, everything's meaningless, nothing matters, whatever, whatever. And then the journey of the television show up to this point has been him actually embracing his connections to those who he has around him and slowly peeling back the layers of his character. But this is not about Rick and Morty. This is about another movie. And that is so overt in the way that it proposes it. And I think that's one of the reasons that it is popular because it 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 poses nihilism in a way that is digestible for a modern audience. And this movie is not that overt. It is a very subtle at some points it is subtle with its philosophy and the way that it engages or comments on society, loss, grief, love, all these things. And uh, it's just the performances in this movie. Holy shit. It is. um, Nicholas Cage is obviously the headliner and he, his co-star, I guess I would say is Alex Wolf who plays Amir in the movie. Um, Alex Wolf with two F's <laughs> and his performance is absolutely phenomenal and the the trauma that he exudes and lives with as well and proposes and um, has to deal with 
alongside Nicolas Cage's journey is just a they're a beautiful pair working together throughout this film. And I just could not recommend this film highly enough. And honestly, the oddest thing about this movie is the premise. And there are so many times in the movie where I think to myself, how in the fuck is this happening? I'm in just a total disbelief that this is actually a movie. But as soon as you get over that hurdle, it is... It's just an amazing film that is so deep and I'd recommend everyone to watch it. And I hope I haven't spoiled too much for people and more, especially for you, Chris, but it is a movie that um, I would definitely, I definitely enjoyed, found myself in the theater as soon as the movie ended, having so many feelings about the film, wanting to write everything down immediately and engage with the film on an intellectual level which i rarely have so in the grand scheme of things there are many movies that are coming out i think there are three more marvel movies to come out this year there are so many other things that are going to be released pop culture popular things but take a couple hours of your time go watch pig you won't regret it i will and honestly the premise doesn't sound that weird in a sense i mean it is not the the weirdest premise of a a pig related movie i mean just think like i've seen okya (laughs) like that's way weirder yeah honestly it's not the weirdest thing i think the weirdest thing about it for me is that it's nicholas cage doing it and i it's impossible for me sometimes to take nicholas cage seriously yeah, I um, mean, he's been a, in a lot of duds, right? Because of his life circumstances. Um, but I don't know. I feel like he, he is not a bad actor or anything. He's just forced into a lot of bad roles. Yeah, and he's not a bad actor at all. He's a very talented one, honestly. Exactly. So, And this really not proves it, but reconfirms that in mm. a way. Oh, it's so good. I wonder like, if I were to rank... This is already one of my favorite Nicolas Cage movies ever. And there are um, a lot of good ones. There are a lot of bad ones, but there are a there lot of are good ones. a lot of bad ones, yes. Yeah. And they're, but they're bad often in a good way, in a funny way. Mm. But um, this movie is just good. Oh, I love, I love this movie so much. I'm very excited. And I think that one thing that I'll try to do as we go through talking about different media is to check in on films that i've been watching recently and every once in a while i'll be recommending a few movies here and there to the general audience so that you guys can check out new stuff as well we don't want to only have you be engaging with content that is decades or years old but things that are we're interested in that we're seeing nowadays so go watch pig it's in theaters now check it out nice and honestly, if you can't go to a theater, I think it's on Apple TV for like five bucks or something. That's cheaper than going to the movies if you <laughs> really want to. Okay, so is it is it a movie that w- merits watching it on the big screen? Obviously, I will say yes. Yeah. <laughs> because of the landscape and the, the beautiful, it, yeah. how it, the mood of it is amazing. But if you can't get to it in the theaters, which it doesn't have many showtimes because it mm. is not a popular film so it might be hard to find but most art house cinemas independent cinemas those kinds of places will definitely have it and of course you should support those movie theaters as much as you can absolutely support your local art house cinema for sure okay here's a question what are your what's your favorite art house cinema you've been in so one that comes to mind is called Electric Cinema in London. Mm-hmm. And there's one in Portobello, which is a really cool part of town, honestly. And it is, it used to be an old theater, I think built in 1910. And mm-hmm. it has been refurbished to be uh, a cinema now. And it, I don't know, it's just a beautiful area. It's a really nice theater seating you have food in the in the cinema itself. You have couches in the back where you can hang out or sofas in the back to sit in. 
it's a really comfortable environment. It's beautiful uh, cinema itself. So I that's the film. That That's one that sticks in my mind, really. And it's a really nice place to go. Yeah, last time I was there, I saw Chadwick Boseman's last film before he passed, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And it was a great movie to watch. So Cool. Yeah, I, I'll give a shout out to Cinema Paradiso in Wanaka, New Zealand, which is amazing. It It's fairly small, but... It has like couches in there and uh, they even have like an old car, like a, like a 40s or 50s car in there with like where you can sit in the seats. And nice. it's like in the in the building, right? And you can have all kinds of delicious snacks. Like I remember there were like triple chocolate, chocolate cookies with like chocolate chips and like melted chocolate inside. I had that when we had a break i don't even remember which uh movie i watched when i was there it's been a while but uh yeah i guess if you're ever in in that part of the world definitely check it out i mean wanaka itself is a beautiful little town but cinema parties is definitely a great pick Sounds really nice. I mean, there's just it's just a different feel and a vibe when you go to one that was in my hometown. It's not a very fancy uh, art house cinema. There's no fun fun chairs or whatever, and it's it's kind of cool because it's like all in the basement, every everything. Mm. But it's called East Street Cinema. That's something that I used to gr- I grew mm. up going to all the time, and it was a very you know, fun place to go, uh, see things that are different and alternative. And it was nice to go to an independent cinema instead of going to the big chains. Nice. Yeah. It's always a good thing to do. Yeah. It's just a different, uh, yeah, it's great. So the next movie I'm going to talk about is called Our Ladies. And we'll talk about it when we get back. (laughs) (laughs) And cut. (laughs) Yeah. So Our Ladies is a film that well, I've seen it recently, and I took notes about it, saw it in theaters. My fully formed ideas about the film are actually not as concrete as I would have imagined. So, for example, with Pig, there was very concrete messages and uh, a narrative and pseudo-philosophical theme that underpins the entire movie. But with Our Ladies, I found it a little bit interesting. So, let me back up a little bit. Let me tell you, talk about the premise. <laughs> All right. So, the movie is about these five, oh, these five and sometimes six um, friends in um, a Scottish rural Catholic boarding school. Not boarding school, but Catholic school. And they, on their choir trip, end up going to Edinburgh for the day. And in that experience that they go through, there's, you know, they have a coming of age experience, a sexual like awakening and like mm-hmm. experiences and uh, revelations about themselves, the personalities. You know, obviously there's ramifications with the choir group and the school and things happening. So very much like country girls go to the city and just like live it up, right? Um, the book is actually uh, an adaptation of a book written in 1998 called The Sopranos. <laughs> not after the television show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's an interesting take because it's it's very much overt with sexual humor. And to a certain extent, I don't want to say gro- not, not grotesque, but grotesque isn't, has such a negative connotation. Like absurd, cr- maybe? Absurd and crude, I guess, with the mm-hmm. humor that it has. And there's part of me that really likes the fact that these are this is centered around these five like teenage girls going through these experiences and having every single one of them go through you know their own journeys or whatever and and they it's really nice as well because they have a lot of different representation and 
Um, there's rep- obviously like, well, like lots of movies, especially set in places like Scotland, there is obviously like a racial representation issue. That's mm-hmm. one thing for sure. Um, and I think that is one of the indicators that show that this is based off a book that really came from the 90s. And it is kind of out of time in some ways. And that's one example. What do you mean by out of time? In terms of its, the content is it's based on is based in an earlier era. Mm-hmm. So okay. it is just a little bit out of sync with how we are now living, you know, 20, what, 23 years now later. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering when you said that it's from uh, 98, right? Because they could have just adapted it for like nowadays. But I get like from what you say, I guess it takes place in the 90s. Yeah, it, it, it does take place in the 90s. So it, it doesn't take place now. And it does also feel like it's from the 90s in some ways, mm-hmm. except the fact that the, the all the protagonists are female. That's the only real difference yeah. <laughs> that I would say. Um, but the fact that the, the book was written in 1998, which is, which is nice as well. So a little bit of background on the film. It actually was released um, in the 2019 uh bfi london film festival and its initial release was i think the best timed release ever in march 2020 (laughs) so sadly that's that was initial theater theatrical release was delayed until august 27th 2021 here in the uk and as a result it's already been a couple years now so it didn't really get much of a splash in the theaters or didn't get much media coverage uh, as compared to newer films, especially now as, you know, bigger films are sort of creeping back into uh, cinemas, generally speaking. But it was a really interesting take, I would say, on sort of the, the journey of finding oneself as a teenager and especially with relations to the, like, various individual sexual journeys that people go on and the way that many people of that generation or not that generation, but those that age sort of act out in a negative way sometimes, but are hiding a true layer of emotions and vulnerability Mm -hmm. that really come out when they're alone or in a, in a unique state of vulnerability. So it's a very interesting, you know, how do I say? I, I'm, I'm like a little bit lost for the words with this film. Uh, especially, mm-hmm. I think I had more concrete thoughts, as I mentioned, with the other one. But it's this balance that a lot of teenagers struggle with coming into adulthood, realizing one's sexuality in relation to that adulthood, and then connecting with one with others around them with bonds of friendship. And there's these, so many of these things intertwined with one another. And then also it's, I think maybe this is my own weird uh, perspective in life, but the sexuality and sort of experiencing that as a teenager is such a, such a crucial aspect of that stage of life. And not in the sense that all teenagers are, like bumping and grinding behind the local McDonald's, but <laughs> whoa! I mean, I don't, I don't know what you like, what your experience was, but I'm going to plead the fifth. But uh-huh. I think it's more about everyone has their own individual sexual journeys at that time period, and it's a really crucial era of like how one experiences that, whether or not that's out of you know out of frustration or exploration or any list of the things above, right? And in the case of these women who use sexuality or sex as a crutch often for other issues in life sometimes. So they often, you know, turn to sex or turn to these things in fear of confronting stronger other underlying emotions or issues. So they're not necessarily mature enough to deal with these emotions. For example, uh, one character and another character, they get into this this fight, essentially, right? And they mm-hmm. start to feel vulnerable. They're really best friends. They've been best friends for life. And then they sort of 
come at it to come to a huge disagreement. And at the end of it, one of them in a state of vulnerability uh, and and lashing out as a result of this fight, I guess, gets a little bit too drunk and then ends up in an unfortunate sexual encounter. Right? Nothing, uh, nothing inappropriate per se or potentially, mm-hmm. but like it it was something that was not wanted potentially or planned um it wasn't just like say out front it wasn't like a sexual assault right yeah. but one person did get she did get too drunk and then um had someone had sex with someone that she didn't particularly want to have sex with someone in the day in the clear day of light clear light of day that's how it's said right <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm so good at english um so there's just really interesting journeys with relation to that among all these women um, and there's different also socioeconomic diversities as well. Also, sexual orientations are interesting here, too. One character learns to find their sexuality, their non-heterosexual sexuality, in a mm-hmm. way. And as you can imagine, this is maybe not troublesome, but um, very repressed in a Catholic school environment. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, pretty Was common. that in the original book or did they? Yes. Okay. In the original book. Um there i mean the way it's handled could could be better i would say so there are things that are a little bit odd about it but in in the original book as well one character does sort of find her sexuality as bisexual or as one other one finds it her herself as um fully gay right so there is this interesting duality or different experience there Mm -hmm. and on the other hand there are there's one character for example her name is shell Mm. she loses her father at a young age and acts out in a myriad of different ways sort of trying to deal and comprehend that loss Mm -hmm. but it results in her acting out in very negative ways and she also comes from a very poor background and that underpins her relationships with others around her she's particularly angry at another girl who is not in part of the core group but she kind of hangs around and is back and forth in and out of things but because of this other girl's socioeconomic status as someone maybe of a richer class upper middle class there is this underpinning of animosity between them as well that acts out Mm -hmm. in the way that they interact with one another so it's very just like a journey of these characters um that is very interesting and each individual one kind of goes through a different journey in a nice or a unique way i will say i'm not tr- i'm trying to give not give too much away and <laughs> and it's very difficult to do that with these characters honestly because every single one has their unique thing and part of it is also a lot about how do we feel loved and how we experience that love from different people whether that be friendship Mm -hmm. family um, sexual partners or partners in general and sometimes even by random strangers and how within these relationships with others we can often find ourselves and you know we're we are inherently social beings so we interact with others and based on those interactions, those are our experiences that culminate in who we are often, right? Whether it's of, even for the most of intro, even in the most introverted people, that distance from others is also an experience in and of itself connected to a society that you distance oneself from. So there we are inherently social. And I loved the commentary or I don't think it was maybe potentially intentional, but the <laughs> consequence of finding oneself in relationships and in relation to others on these different levels within all like experienced and enhanced throughout these films. So is it presented as a, some sort of like dependency? Like you need others to feel whole sort of thing? I would say no, actually. I think one finds your independence through the different experiences that they go on. So I would say that the journey, the girls actually and were are more dependent at the beginning of the film with one on one another, and then throughout mm-hmm. the film they find a certain level of dependence, right? So maybe they had these experiences with new people, with different experience, with different 
with different strangers that they met, as well as these enlightening experiences with their friends, and they learn to find their own individuality and their self within those new things, and as a consequence of their interactions. So how did you find the uh, uh, depiction of sexual in general, like not not just like female, which is obviously the uh, kind of the focus, but also male and others? Uh... Yeah, there's a lot of toxic masculinity in this. It's set in the 90s, but I read it as that's a very negative portrayal of toxic masculinity in the sense that it's not mm -hmm. seen as heroic, right? It's more seen as the douchey guy. Um, in the corner, I guess, of the room, just kind of leering or whatever. Um, there's definitely that aspect to it. There is there is a certain level of homophobia also involved in it mm -hmm. uh, because of the struggle that one the one character I mentioned who goes through uh, coming out, I guess, to a certain extent mm -hmm. throughout the film. Um, there, so it's a very interesting story because the characters you expect to be douches end up actually just being douches and not having a mm -hmm. don't become like heroes you know this is one of the things that i struggle with in a lot of films where a guy starts out a movie as being like this douche toxic masculine guy and then ends up being the hero somehow for some contrived reason and we're supposed to like him and forgive him for all of his mm -hmm. like personality yeah. traits and forget the fact that as soon as the movie ends he's just going to go back to being a douche um Versus, like, the only, like, relationship, I guess, that gets conceived. Um, there, uh, There's, I don't know, I don't want to spoil anything. Wow. <laughs> I'm really trying not to. Um, so I, I would say in terms of just gender roles in general, there's actually very little male characters. They play really a secondary role to everyone else in this um, movie. But the one of the problems is that the women in this movie often talk about their sexuality specifically in relation to certain men. And mm -hmm. it is often defined in those experiences in particular with them as opposed to their own self femininity. So that's one aspect that maybe could potentially be more 2021 instead of 1998 because it's not potentially the goal is even of sexuality in and of itself is not about finding a guy to fuck, but experiencing one's own pleasure and own uh, desires or mm. uh, um, own maturity in a way. So there's definitely something there's, there is much to be desired there for sure. So, so let me ask you, did you like the movie overall? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Uh, there are moments where I'm just like, this is a little cringy in terms of the humor. Uh, but I think that I wasn't a Catholic repressed schoolgirl. <laughs> so potentially, <laughs> I don't necessarily relate, obviously, but that's fine. Uh, Every day I learn something new about you, Rashad. Exactly. <laughs> Surprising <laughs> everyone. Uh, that was my... I didn't have a similar experience in high school. But there, I enjoyed the film. And there are a couple of good scenes that I really liked um the there's one scene in the bar in a bar where these two girls are just hanging out and they end up talking with one another uh, about their individual sexualities and their um, sexual orientations but the layers sort of get peeled back in such a nice way in such a subtle way as well and the movie doesn't stay at the bar scene for so long because it intercuts between these three girls as they separate or three groups of girls as they separate throughout the city. Mm -hmm. And as it comes, every time it comes back to it, you get a little bit more of a glimpse about what's going on, what's going on. And then you're realizing what is actually happening as the, one of the characters is realizing it as well. So it's a very nice scene. And it also is one of the more interesting twists in the movie happens at that scene as well. Mm. Um, I love the music integration of this film. Uh, I think it's it's a really nice. Uh, there's a lot of cuts of really fun music from the '90s just interspersed <laughs> throughout the the film, which is really fun. There's a few karaoke scenes. Obviously, they're choir children as well, so oh, there's yeah. the choir as well. So they're all and they're all good singers. And one in particular who's a pr particularly talented singer. 
I would say also setting the scene of high, the Highlands in Scotland and the little small town on the seaside is very beautiful. And obviously the Scotland, like the Highlands are gorgeous. They're the most beautiful place in the UK, period. So it's it was it's really nice to see. And there I would say Edinburgh, like they didn't really set it the scene too well. I think they could have done a little bit more about grounding it, but there are areas that they picked and scenes and area and um, neighborhoods that they highlighted really nicely and some Edinburgh stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that maybe left a little p- to be desired, but I did enjoy it. So it had a decent setting, not amazing, I would say, but it was decent. Um, a couple of good scenes that bar scene is the one that really sticks out to me. The music was good too. The humor was funny and there's actually a few really laugh out loud moments, a few cringy humor moments that I think went over the top for me. Um, and I'd have to say one thing that's a huge pet peeve of mine and happens in so many movies. There's this one scene where one of the girls uses it, like plays the cello. And as someone who has played a stringed instrument, it is absolutely frustrating to me when they just like are so bad at showing somebody play the cello or any Mm -hmm. stringed instrument. It's like her bow isn't even moving with the music. Like, ah, get Uh her shit together. It's like, it makes no sense. It, It should be fucking easier to do this, but. Alas, that's uh, that happens in so many freaking movies. Um, but I will say that one of the things that I love about this movie is the ending and how all these characters' journeys end. And there's they're so individually different and they come across as, you know, entirely different, uh, unique things. And you know, often when you watch a movie, there is... A common setting right and in that common setting all the characters are sort of the same and they might have somewhat different things that going on in their lives but they're not actually that different yeah. and they don't reveal different aspects of an underlying message as opposed to what this film does and i think that with a cast of characters like this the performances are all great and so for example like you know there is different aspects are for example you know sexual fantasies fantasies and kinks right or mm-hmm. finding solace in sexuality or as i mentioned it was shell shell law like uh, experiencing loss and acting out or finding one's sexual orientation or being sort of finding one's even not not really not too much of a sexual journey but an, a journey about finding one's independence outside of the group and learning to be to shine in the spotlight or mm. um or even bringing someone down to earth and coming out as someone who's by and these are all different things that come together or even surprise or non-surprise pregnancies or teenage pregnancies and dealing with the consequences of that how do you you know navigate those waters as well so one of the things that i love about the ending of this film and how all these different journeys culminate and that is that you know in life it doesn't always work out things always aren't rosy cheery-eyed at the very end of the of life and we can often feel very shattered by that i mean it's uh, you know also that goes with the media representation right because a lot of um those types of movies and exactly when someone gets together and that's only when things begin really and this, like the difficult part Uh, starts but that's not something that people want to see right they want that ending exactly and whether in relationships or not like life can go well but life can also go shitty and that feeling of despair and struggle is okay and that's all part of the journey of life and each of these teenagers coming to their own finding themselves experiencing these struggles and actually like struggling or overcoming it and every single one of them has a different experience and that is an amazing representation of the i guess the diverse palettes of humanity is what i would say wow you're getting very philosophical today i love it yeah no i i I love it as well so it's it's a good film i i think i liked of the two if i had to gun to my head i would say i liked pig more Mm mm-hmm um, but this movie definitely felt nice and I really did enjoy it. 
and I don't I don't have a ranking system for these films. I'm not like five out of five stars, amazing, yeah. two thumbs up. I'm not that kind of person. But yeah. if you have the chance, um, watch this movie. I'd recommend it for sure. And it is a different vibe, and you have to some in some ways take it as if it were actually made in the early aughts or late to, late 1990s. And if you take it in that context, then you see it a lot differently than you do if you're, say, if you're a person who was born in 2002, mm. right? You're 19 years old. You have <laughs> no crazy. frame of reference, right? You have no frame of reference for that period. So maybe it's a little bit more difficult. But if you were mm. born in the 90s or 80s or whatever, maybe you have a different semblance of what it means to be part of that era, right? Mm. But I, I definitely enjoyed the movie. So give it a give it a shout. Yeah, it's, support your local cinema exactly and also independent films like these need mm -hmm. support much more support than um i don't know batman versus superman 2 or whatever the fuck oh my god so with that note thank you for listening i've talked about two movies that i've watched recently and hopefully i'll like check in as other movies come out that i'm interested in and i hope you enjoyed this chris i don't know this is just me ranting about films <laughs> that you haven't seen and have never even heard of i think <laughs> so this is just in the journey that I just consume so much content and I've realized mm. that I actually only recently have I realized that I consume an abnormal amount of content. So mm. I feel like there's moments in which I, sh or moments in which I should start to share my experience with this stuff. So what gave it away that you're like unusual in that regard? I think we were having a conversation, just like this whole shit we're doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, yeah. like, look at what we're doing. We're having a podcast about the shit that we talk about. So, mm. or the shit that we watch. So, yeah. I mean, cool. is this evidence enough? <laughs> it is. It really is. All right. So thank you guys for listening. And Chris, if people liked what they heard, I hope they did. Uh, what should they do? Uh, definitely rate us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's Apple podcast or Spotify or any other platform it really helps pe other people discover the show and that really helps us and if people want to like reach out tell us all the amazing things that we're doing tell us how good looking we are how should they um contact us yeah you, we have all the contact information on our website seriallyhook.com you can you, you have a suggestion box for future topics we have a feed like you can also write feedback in there you can write us an email you can uh, send a tweet all of these good things. We'd love to hear from you. I can't wait. <laughs>